Okay, we are starting the school year, the Sunday school year, with uh, Joseph and his brothers. Uh, this is from Genesis chapter 37. Our law, the law that we want to teach in this lesson is that we ought to do good, we ought to do what is right, even when it means hatred with the world. In fact, doing what is right is going to mean hatred with the world. Uh, God reminds us of that both in the Gospels and in, in the Scriptures as well. The Gospel is that God works all things for good. Uh, he, We may have to suffer for a little bit uh, because of the sinfulness of this world, but God has a plan for us. He's going to bring about his salvation uh, even if we have to suffer for a little while. So we don't want to avoid doing what is good just to avoid a little suffering. Jesus reminds us that if we would follow him, we have to pick up our cross and follow him. That's it. It's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said that. We are beginning the account of Joseph, and uh, Joseph reminds us a lot of Christ. There is some debate as to whether Joseph can be considered a type of Christ. A type refers to something that God planned before Christ came as a picture of Christ. So, for example, Isaac is a type of Christ. He's a picture of Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us that the flood is a type of baptism. It's a picture of the baptism that was to come. Jesus refers to the bronze serpent being lifted up uh, just as he would be lifted up the bronze serpent is a a type of christ a, a symbol a reminder the passover a very important type of christ generally speaking we we can't say for sure that joseph is a type because saying he's a type implies that god planned for his life to go like this that that god purposely made him uh, a picture of Christ. And the Bible never tells us that. There's nowhere in the Bible that you can point to and say, oh yes, the Bi that, that this was God's plan for Joseph to be a picture of Christ. Nevertheless, on the other hand, there are so many similarities between Joseph and Christ that it's really hard to believe that it wasn't God's plan uh, to be a picture of Christ. So we do always want, in all of our lessons, in all of our Sunday school lessons, we want to point the kids to Christ. And Joseph presents us with lots of opportunities to do that. Uh, we certainly want to do that. How is Joseph like Jesus? Well, Joseph is the beloved son, just as Jesus is the beloved son. Uh, Joseph does what is right. There is nowhere in scripture where you ever read of Joseph sinning or doing anything wrong. Now, Joseph, of course, was a sinner. We know he was a sinner. All people are sinners. The Bible is clear about that. Um, so he certainly was a sinner who also needed Jesus to be a savior, but we don't see that. The, the Bible presents him in that way as a picture of Christ uh, by, by always doing what is right. And of course, Jesus always did what was right in our place. Joseph is hated by the descendants of Israel, right? The, the, his other brothers, the sons, of, uh, the sons of Israel hated him partially because he did what was right. And Jesus, the same thing. He, he did what his father sent him to do and he was hated because of it. Joseph was sold for silver, just like Jesus. Uh, Joseph was handed over to the Gentiles, just like Jesus. Uh, Joseph metaphorically, not literally, but metaphorically died and rose again from his father's point of view. And of course, Jesus died and rose again. Joseph suffers for the sake of his brothers. It was in order to save his family that Joseph had to go down to Egypt. Uh, and so he suffers in order to save his family just like Jesus suffered for us. And through his suffering they are saved and so through Jesus' suffering we are saved. Uh, there's probably actually more points uh, than those I mentioned that you could make comparison between Joseph and Jesus and, and certainly we want to bring these out in our Sunday School lesson pointing the kids to Jesus. We're going to begin with chapter 37 then verses 1 to 5. Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Now this is the history of Jacob. 
Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhal and the sons of Zilphah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. So, you remember and you can remind uh, the children that Jacob had 12 sons. Uh, some of them were the descendants of Leah. Uh, some of them were the descendants of Bilah, uh, Rachel's maidservant. And some of them were the descendants of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant. And then uh, Rachel herself had two children, uh, Joseph and Benjamin. L Rachel died when she was giving birth to Rachel. Uh, sorry, Rachel died when she was giving birth to Benjamin. And in his sorrow, uh, J Jacob kind of transferred his love from Rachel to Rachel's oldest son, uh, Joseph. So Joseph is beloved of his father, uh, partially because he is the son of Rachel, whom jo uh, Jacob loved more than Leah. And partially because uh, Rachel is now dead and, and in his sorrow, um, he's Jacob is, is finding comfort in Joseph. But another thing comes out very clearly in the story of Joseph as well, that Joseph did what was right. And we see that right away here. He comes and he brings a bad report of his brothers to his father. Um, the other children, other uh, Jacob's other children, other than Benjamin, um, did not do what was right and what was good. And we have many instances of that are recorded in scripture of Jacob's children uh, doing some pretty terrible things, not only selling Jacob Joseph into slavery, but some other things as well. And so part of his father's love for him was earned by being a, a good son. Uh, this, of course, just made the brothers even more angry. Uh, those, those, when we sin, when we do what is wrong, uh, a lot of times we're angry at those who do what is right because it makes us look all the more worse. If, if everyone around us is, is doing the same sins that we are, then we don't look so bad. But all it takes is one person to do the right thing, and our sin becomes far more apparent and, and makes us angry at the one who's doing what is right. And certainly that was part of the problem between uh, Joseph and his brothers. His brothers were not doing what was right. Uh, they were not working hard. They were not obedient to their father. They were not obedient obedient to God's word. Uh, they were doing many sinful and shameful things. Uh, and Joseph is doing what is right. Jesus, of course, always did what was right. And uh, we don't come off looking so well in comparison to him either. But his righteousness is given to us. And, and so we are forgiven. Joseph is then given a, a tunic of many colors. This was a very expensive garment. Uh, purple, especially, was very, very expensive to dye clothes uh, the color purple. Purple was made from a, a certain type of seashell found in, in Phoenicia, and they crushed up the, the shell and used that to make the purple dye. So it was very hard to make, and it was quite expensive. But there's more symbolism to the robe than just it's a, it, how expensive it was. Certainly, it was a, a wonderful gift that... Uh, Jacob gave to his son Joseph. But the other thing is that this was not the type of coat that you'd be wearing if you're out in the field watching the sheep. This wasn't a working coat. This was like 
an office coat, right? This is the difference between uh, what farmers wear probably when they're out in the field and uh, what a lawyer wears in court. And so the implication here is not only uh, that Joseph is, is loved by his father, he gives him this gift, but also that Joseph is the one whom his father is trusting with the business side of the family business. The other brothers are out in the field watching the sheep. Joseph is at home, maybe keeping the books, make, maybe meeting with other businessmen and clients, that kind of a thing. He wouldn't have been wearing this coat uh, if he was out in the field. So it was a, an indication not only of his father's love, but of the status his father was giving him as the one who was kind of in charge of the business, which, of course, made the brothers even more angry. They hated him. Uh, fa uh, jo uh, Jacob loved him. Uh, the, their hatred grew more and more. And we're going to see how they allow this sin to grow uh, and cause them to do some very terrible things. We continue verses 5 to 11. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dream and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his fathers rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. The Lord gives uh, Joseph these dreams, uh, telling him what would come, what would happen in the future. And uh, these dreams become important later on in Joseph's life, not only because they come true, but because Joseph now understands uh, that God gives to him the interpretation of dreams. And that's an important part of Joseph, Joseph's life later on. It's a, it's a gift that God gave to him uh, through which God is going to do some other things in his life and fulfill his, his plan for Joseph. In the meantime, however, Joseph tells his brothers uh, the dream he had. Now, obviously, this probably wasn't the wisest idea, but it also does kind of speak to what we were talking about before, the innocence of Joseph. Uh, he doesn't really seem to think that much of it. He, he received this dream and he innocently shares it with his brothers uh, without, there's no indication that, there, that he was sharing it, with, sharing it with them in a prideful or haughty way, look at what I'm going to do, uh, but rather just in, in innocence and in purity, uh, sharing something with his brothers. Maybe not the wisest thing, but again, it reminds us of the difference between uh, Joseph and his brothers and probably one of the reasons why Joseph's father did love him more. Uh, then he receives the second dream. Not only are his brothers going to bow down to him, but even his father and his mother. The father at first is upset and rebukes him, but notice uh, in verse 11 the difference between the father and the brothers. The father keeps it in mind. So he, he doesn't react very well, but... Uh, he does think about it and perhaps later on realizes that maybe he shouldn't have been so harsh. Um, the, Lord, the Lord gave him this dream. His brothers, on the other hand, allow their hatred to grow even more. Uh, earlier in verse 4, they, they hated him so much they could not even speak peaceably to him. So the normal mode of greeting uh, in that area of the world, uh, even to this day, is you see somebody you don't say hello you say peace peace be with you and they're not even they're not even willing to greet him uh, their anger has become so much and so great uh, we continue with verses 12 and 13 and then we're going to skip to verses 18 to 27 
Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass, when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brothers and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. So, the brothers allow that anger and that hatred to lead them into even greater sin. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 warn us against this very thing. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And you see how the brothers allowed that anger and that hatred to grow and grow uh, in them. And you see the comparison between <clears throat> Joseph's brothers and Joseph himself. His brothers had no legitimate complaint against Joseph. Uh, he may have done an unwise thing in sharing his dreams with them, but he had done nothing sinful against them. Uh, it was their own fault that they were in trouble with their father. Uh, it was their, their own fault uh, that they had, had done some, some bad things. It, and it's not Joseph's you know, fault that God chose him as the one through whom he was going to um, save the people and bring them down to Egypt. They had no legitimate complaint against him, but in their own hearts, rather than admit their sin and confess their sin, uh, they held this grudge against Joseph and they allowed it to grow and grow. Joseph, on the other hand, he has a legitimate, we're going to find out how he has a legitimate reason to be angry with his brothers. They sold him into slavery and some of the other things they did to him as well. But Joseph doesn't hold the grudge. And we learn that uh, especially later on in his life as well. He is uh, quite willing and ready to forgive despite what his brothers did. And, and this, of course, reminds us uh, of the difference between ourselves and Jesus, who, who Jesus, who has reason to be angry with us, uh, and yet is constantly forgiving us. And so often we hold grudges and uh, allow anger to dwell in our hearts uh, instead of forgiving. Uh, we don't have any good reason ever to be angry uh, with our brothers, our friends, other people. No matter what they've done against us, we have done worse against Jesus and against God. Uh, Jesus reminds us <clears throat> of the parable of the, the man who wouldn't forgive the certain, you know, the man who his debt, his huge debt was forgiven, but he wouldn't forgive uh, his fellow worker the smaller debt that he owed. Uh, and God <clears throat> reminds us that that's what we're like when we refuse to forgive and we hold on to anger. Not only is holding on to anger, you know, against uh, what God teaches in scripture and, and is so foolish because God is so ready and willing to forgive us, but it really only hurts us. Uh, holding on to anger and hatred in our hearts doesn't really hurt the person we're angry with. Uh, it just hurts ourselves and that poison builds up. And so that 
Joseph's brothers, you see in our, our account how they've become these evil people because they've allowed that anger to dwell in their hearts. Reuben and Judah both, to more to greater and smaller degrees, try to stop what's going on. Reuben recognizes that this is not something that should be done uh, and convinces them not to kill Joseph, but just to put him in a pit. He's planning to come back later and bring Joseph out and bring him back to his father. So Reuben knows that this is wrong, but at the same time, he's not willing to stand up and tell tell his brothers that that this is wrong he tries to compromise and judah to even greater degree realizes it's wrong to kill joseph but again instead of standing up and saying what is right instead of standing up for what is right uh because he doesn't want to you know his brothers to hate him he kind of tries to bring about this compromise well let's sell him into slavery instead um, the Bible reminds us, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not him, in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. There is no compromise with the world. Uh, God, God's word calls us to, to stand firm in Christ and be always willing uh, to give a defense for the hope that is in us, uh, not to not to try and compromise with the world so that we can still be friends with them and with Christ, but to stand up for what is right, uh, as we see Joseph doing, doing what is right throughout his life despite the consequences. Uh, and so Reuben and Judah both as well, they should have, instead of trying to find a way around, they should have stood up and, and said what was right and not gone along with this at all. They are, even though they, they tried to help Joseph out, they are also partially to blame for what happened. First Corinthians, Paul reminds us, First Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. When we try and make compromises with the world, it's not the world that makes compromises. It's we who make compromises and become more and more like them. Uh, we need to stand up for what is right um, and stand up for Christ and what he's done for us instead of trying to make compromises just so that the people of the world will love us. When we follow Christ, the world won't love us just as uh, when Joseph was doing what was right, his brothers didn't love him. Uh, we finish verses 28 to 36. The, the then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. And he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, What? We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. For he said, For I shall go down to the grave to my son in mourning. Thus, he, th thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard. Uh, one quick note here. Notice that it says, all, speaking of Jacob, all his sons and all his daughters, plural. We're actually only told about one daughter, Dinah. Uh, but obviously from this verse, he had more than, more than just that one Dinah. So that's kind of an interesting point there as well. They sold him to Midianite traders. Uh, sometimes they're called Midianites and sometimes Ishmaelites in the same verse. Uh, the Midianites were descended from Midian, who was the fourth son of Abraham. Uh, remember that after... Abraham's wife, Sarah, died that uh, he married Keturah and had children by her. 
Uh, and so this is one of Keturah's sons, Midian, uh, and his descendants. And then the Ishmaelites, of course, are descendants of Ishmael, who was the maidservant that uh, Abraham uh, had a son through before Isaac was born. So uh, these were both all these were all descendants from Abraham, just as Jacob and Jacob's children were descendants from Abraham, but they were not uh, descendants of the promise. The promise was given to Isaac, and then through Isaac to Jacob, and then the promise continues, uh, of course, through Judah. Notice also the the lies of the brothers. Sin leads to more sin. Uh, instead of confessing their sins, uh, they try to cover it up, and so. Um, very often we're tempted to cover up our sin, but Jesus reminds us in the gospel not to try and cover our sins, but to confess our sins. He is ready and willing to forgive us. He wants to wash away our sins. Uh, he wants us to confess it so it can be washed away in the blood of Christ and not lie and try and cover it up. And notice too how Jacob's sons here even won't even meet Jacob's eyes, so to speak, right? They don't even come and talk to him face to face with this lie about Joseph's coat, about finding Joseph's coat, about implying that he's been torn by, apart by wild beasts. But they send it by the hand of another so that they don't even have to be in the presence of their father when, when this lie is told. Uh, there is still that shame of their sin in their heart, obviously. How much worse if they if they hadn't even been ashamed of what they did, but they should have confessed it to receive forgiveness instead of living with this with this guilt all their life. Joseph, a uh, reminder of Jesus, how he suffered for us. Joseph accepts all this suffering and still does what is right. He accepts all this suffering and forgives us, just as Jesus accepted suffering and forgives us as well. Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson.